Hello everyone, this is Adam West. Uh, maybe you're thrilled to buy adventures, right, on Batman there? Hmm? My secret true identity, Bruce Wayne, millionaire philanthropist. Anyway, I'm glad to talk to you all and have the privilege of doing the following. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Let him have it, Chris. 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 There's a button, a switch for everything. What's that? You're listening to Aerial View worldwide on the internet. No fix that, Chris. Whatever happens to bug you, that's what you talk about. Sometimes you agree. 
smaller, other times he sets them straight. Indifferent to suffering, insensitive to joy. All of life is reduced to the common rubble of banality. War, murder, death. All the same to you as bottles of beer. And the daily business of life is a corrupt comedy. Welcome back, my friends, to the radio show that never ends. No, that's not true. It, it'll end in an hour. It's uh, in, this, in this media age that we live in currently, when everybody is demanding so much of your time, you know, it's not enough to have the walking dead. You have to have the talking dead, and it's not enough to just watch your favorite show you're expected to stick around for the after show and the endless discussions and the oh I come from a simpler time I feel like a caveman but uh I only ask an hour, 6 to 7 p.m. Aerial view every Friday night here on The Hound, nyc.com, where you can also hear The Hound himself every Sunday with a new show, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, and then uh, 5 p.m. Crash in the Party, new Crash in the Party on Sundays. Mark and Miriam with the doo-wop chop shop of the air. This show is Aerial View, now in its 30th year? What? Something like that. Don't make me do math. And the live line into the studio, because this is a live talk show. For me, the most exciting kind of radio. Live radio. And then, not just live, but talk radio. The original social media. Where you and I get to speak to each other. How lovely is that? Isn't that beautiful? It's a beautiful thing. Oh, yeah. It's a sad and beautiful world, friends. I know I'm not the first to say that. I have nothing against that. You got to take the sadness with the beauty, with the joy. Like Dolly Parton said, if you want the rainbow, you got to take the rain. And I believe that. We're living through extraordinary times right now. I'm sure that everybody at all times who ever got in front of a microphone, and I don't know how long have microphones been around now, 120 years, not that long, really, when you think about it. One of my favorite inventions, the microphone. What did people do before they had microphones? Well, you know, you shouted through some kind of bullhorn. You certainly couldn't broadcast. 
Broadcasting requires microphones. And I just want to take a moment and say thank you to whoever that German was. Whoever came up with with the microphone. I don't know. Could have could have been someone besides a German too. I I don't really want to be looking things up on the interweb while I'm trying to do aerial view. And again, the phone number here is my phone number is in Palm Springs, baby. It's pretty good. I got a phone number in Palm Springs. I am not there, but the phone number is 760 I call AV. 760-422-5528 is the phone number here. This is a relatively new edition of Aerial View. It's been on the air since Black Friday, November 23rd. So uh, I think we're up to show number 14, something like that. And uh, the show, by the way, uh, replays on Tuesdays, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Hound NYC. Dot com And then it becomes a podcast. And for information on how you can get the podcast, go to my Facebook page. Facebook.com slash call aerial view. Facebook.com slash call aerial view. And there's uh, information there on how to get the podcast, which is available on every platform. All the stupid platforms. You know, there's a big uh, festival going on this weekend in uh, Brooklyn at the White Hotel called the On Air Festival. Uh, it's been a while since I've been involved in public radio, but I signed up for the public radio mailing list just so I can get some freelance work. And there's all kinds of stuff flying back and forth on there. You know, let me go behind the music for just a bit. There's a thing that goes on in radio called the tape sync, where uh, they send you out to stick a microphone in someone's face so that person sounds like they're there, wherever the hell there is. And uh, I used to do a lot of these when I worked for National Public Radio back at the end of the last century, the turn of the century. And uh, I would travel all over. Sometimes I'd have to take the car and go deep into Jersey. Other times, get on the subway, go way to hell out to Queens or Brooklyn. Other times, uh, drive up to the Hudson Valley and... Go different places, different towns, Hastings. I would go and put a Neumann KMR-81, usually, condenser microphone. Some people call it a shotgun as well. It's I'm not going to object if that's what you want to call it, but that was the standard kit. And, then, and when I started, you would record into a Marantz portable cassette player deck portable cassette deck by the way those things used to be worthless people were throwing them out by the dozens those Marantz cassette recorders until someone realized you could turn it into a nifty tape echo if you were uh, looking for that kind of thing making your electronic music or playing your guitar uh, so if you see one if you see one at the, at the flea market whatever it's got to be a three head machine otherwise it won't work uh, as a tape echo unit. But there's a guy out there repurposing those old Morantz decks. I, I, I probably sold mine for 50 bucks or $25 years ago. And he charges like a grand, a cool grand, for you to get some tape echo. Because, you know, people are 
convinced tape echo was the best echo. It it is really. There's there's been many attempts to duplicate it electronically, but they mostly fail. Boy, that was quite the digression, huh? What a di I went down a rabbit hole on that one. What was my point? Let me see if I can make my way back out of this rabbit hole. Hmm. What was my point? I was talking about joining the New York... Oh, yeah. So on the New York Public Radio list, there's a lot of tape syncs, but they all happen to be in Katmandu and other places. They, I thought there would be, like, all these uh, things in and around the area, and no. Hey, we got a call here. Hello, welcome to the air. Hey, it's, uh, it's me, John, from Canada. Hey, calling all the way from Canada? What do you know? Yeah, I'm very yeah. impressed. Uh, just, just outside of Toronto. All right. Well, uh, how did you hear about the show, John? Uh, sorry, could you say that again? How did you hear about this program, Aerial View? How, how did you get turned on to it, as the kids say? Holy. Okay, well, uh, if, believe it or not, I am a millennial. Mm -hmm. And uh, if that doesn't blow you away, um, I actually found the show through the WFMU archive. Ah. So, wow. um, so on my favorite podcatcher, which is called Podcast Addict, um, I searched for WFMU and uh, Aerial View came up first because it's alphabetical. And uh, the very first show I listened to was the Amtrak episode. Oh, boy. Yeah, the Amtrak episode. <laughs> One of, my favorite, <laughs> one of my favorite pieces of writing you've ever done. Oh, thank you. Well, it's very nice of you to say that. Yeah, it was a, about a trip I took to New Orleans. I made the mistake of getting on an Amtrak and taking a 28-hour train ride during which I was out of my mind on methamphetamine. And, yeah, uh, yeah, and, it, and it, yeah, it sounded like a good time. Yeah. Uh, there was a guy we knew who knew a guy who was a scientist who made... It was like Breaking Bad before Breaking Bad. This guy was like Walter White before Walter White. And he made and I'm not kidding, I'm not I'm not making this up. It came out blue, like that crap on uh Breaking Bad. And oh, yeah. <laughs> and and I just thought, okay, since I, I'm not able to afford a decent uh seat on this train, I, I I'm gonna forget falling asleep. I'm not gonna try to sleep on the train. I'm gonna take a bunch of this stuff. Which our code word for it back in the day was cheesecake. Like when we would talk on the phone, we would say, Do you got any cheesecake? <laughs> and uh, it was a really, really badly thought out idea. A, a lot of my ideas are badly thought out. I'd like to think that as I get older, I think about the consequences of my actions more. But I, I definitely wasn't thinking about what it would mean to be on a 28-hour Amtrak ride. Uh, oh man! Yeah, out of my brain, and you know, if you go find the uh, episode that John's talking about, you could hear the rest of what took place. Because I'm not going to spin it out all here, but I'm really happy you found that because I was thinking about that piece of writing just the other day. Because I never really published it anywhere, and I'd like to publish it somewhere. And um, oh yeah, it's, you know, it's definitely worth publishing because it's, it's very that. well written, despite the fact of what was going on at the time. Yeah. Oh man, what a that was. So, what's your life like up near Toronto? Because you know, the wife and I, we get to Canada. I wouldn't say fairly often, but but once a year. She's got uh, a cousin that lives up in Kingston, 
the first capital mm. of Canada, and we go up there and we mm. wander around Kingston. But what's life like in Toronto? I have a friend of mine, uh, Dave, lives in Toronto. Do you know Dave? He lives in Toronto? Uh, uh, right now, we're pretty much living under our own human pile of garbage. Uh, what's going on with Trudeau, named- man? He's flaming out really badly because I thought he was an upright citizen and a good guy and a real mensch and all those other things. And it turns out now that oh, uh, I- there's there's corruption going on in there. Man, uh, this... Uh- this Doug Ford guy, I mean, he is pretty much like the, the the human pile of garbage that's running Ontario right now. Justin Trudeau is, eh. right? You know, I, I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm an indigenous person, so okay. my view of the prime minister is always going to be a little bit more reasonable, um, right? Than your okay, so Canadian. you were talking about Rob Ford's brother, who's now yeah. mayor of Toronto, the premier, yeah, yeah, he's premier the, he's of Toronto. Premier Sorry. Of and I, yeah. I, one of the things I learned from my wife's cousin, by the way, is that, you know, uh, what do they call them, First Nations in Canada? That, that you, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, you could easily yeah. go really wrong by um, trying to carry on a conversation with a First Nations person if you don't know what the hell you're talking about. Because there were so yeah. many different tribes and so many different languages and so many different ways they spoke about themselves and addressed themselves that... If you're trying to be down with the First Nations people, just act like the square you are instead, and then <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It usually um, it usually involves a lot of listening and a lot less talking. Yeah, well, that's bad for me because I do a talk show, so uh, it'd be hard if I yeah. just did a listen show. Although I'm willing to try a listen show sometime. I'm not sure I, I ever think, did that. Think, yeah, yeah. It's good to listen first and then talk later to your other white friends and try and get them smart. <laughs> So you have uh, you have your own problems in this Doug Ford fella because we you know Rob Ford died didn't he yeah yeah and uh, he, oh, was, yeah, he was he was a yeah. mess he was he was a hot mess and he died oh, yeah but his brother Doug is another like nationalist he's another white supremacist well he definitely acts like it and I feel like uh, you know if it quacks like a duck you know and yeah. um yeah, I remember hearing about him running for office, uh, you know, after your human pile of garbage got going. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, knowing how Ontarians like I know them, you know, I didn't think it would turn out too good. And, you know, lo and behold, we're at this point now where, you know, a lot of people are disappointed in him and what he's doing to our social services and such. He's gutting them. He's trying to say that we can't, you know, you, you can't afford them. Canadians can't afford it. What What's his approach? Is it the same as the GOP down here where they bleat and bleat about deficits until it's time to cut themselves a massive tax break? That cost uh, yeah, me, yeah, that's going to cost me sell, almost $10,000 for their tax break this year. I'm going to have to pay for that. So uh, is, is it the uh, same approach up there? John? Oh man, yeah, oh uh, yeah. Sorry. No, I'm yeah. asking if there if he's if he uses the same approach as the GOP, where he talks about how we can't afford it, we can't afford it. Is that his approach? Hundred percent. Yeah. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Because you know, I mean, like, of course, anything you can't afford, you can't have. And uh, he'd rather sell his grandmother than help somebody else out that's not related to him. Then, you know. Yeah. It's just it's just this this thing that like. 
conservatives always ask, you know, who's paying for this? Who's paying for this? It's like, well, it's going to be the people who are going to use it tomorrow and the people who are going to use it the day after. Yeah. And it may be you one day, you know? Yeah. But, you know, the, but, I, I don't like that, that whole rugged individualist approach that these people take. I mean, I believe that you need a strong social safety net. You, you need a society that cares for one another. You need a government that's willing to codify it and, and, Canada has, you know, always been far more progressive than the United States when it comes to that kind of stuff. And, oh, you know, oh, yeah. is up yeah. there with the Scandinavian, Scandinavian countries where, you know, I was reading just the other day about how how things are, you know, going in the United States. There's not only more inequality, income inequality than the Gilded Age currently. It's you're far less likely if you're born into poverty to be to move up and move out of poverty and social mm-hmm. mobility Americans like to lie to themselves and think we're a socially mobile country every time they do these polls Americans who are deluded by nature I don't know why but they are and they they the huge numbers of them will say that we have social mobility in this country when we it's it's a lie I mean we're we're so far down the list of countries where you can move your station in life that it's 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 horrifying and embarrassing and if it wasn't horrifying and embarrassing enough to have the person quote unquote who's leading this country leading this country it, it's just we are we are deeply we're not, not we're not able to see the truth about us, ourselves john and and i always thought of canadians and whether or not you think of yourself as a Canadian first or a First Nations person first, or is it the same thing as far as you're concerned? Are you a proud Canadian, for instance? Oh, man. I, I, I would say that, um, just to go back on your point about the Scandinavian countries, is that if you look at it through my framework, the, the indigenous framework, you know, even the most progressive countries in this world the ones that are high up on that happiness index you know yeah that's what i'm kind of talking about the happiness yeah yeah, they talk about how great their criminal uh like like there's low crime there's low unemployment there's high social mobility even in those countries the indigenous people in those countries get their water rights taken away yeah their land rights taken away and so you know i think um can I tell the, you where you went wrong, where the indigenous people went wrong, John? You know, First Nations people down here, we called them Native Americans or Indians. They called them different things in Australia. Whoever the people were there that were there first, you know where they went wrong? They didn't believe in, in, in owning property. They didn't believe that you could own the land. When we came and told them, we want this land, mainly because of what we can grow in it and what's buried beneath it. We want the minerals that are under there. So you're all going to have to scoot. You're going to have to get out of here. And they turned around, the indigenous people, and said, what are you talking about? You can own land? You can own the earth? That's like owning the sky. Are, are, are you out of your minds? It's like owning the sun. You can own yeah. the earth? And we said, we sure can. Now get off of it because now we this is ours now. Move west of the mm-hmm. Mississippi. And we took uh, down here yeah, in America. That's, that's- that's really the turning point. That yeah. really is the turning point. Yeah, and you know, uh, there was a famous chief in America called Blackhawk who wrote this long mm. thing about how if they had known the way things had were going to go, 
They would have murdered every European they saw. They, I mean, they got wise to it eventually, and they started killing every European they could, they could get their hands on. But it was too late and too little, and they didn't have firearms. They had, uh, yeah. you know, it was they brought a literally brought a knife to a gunfight, and it wasn't going to work. <laughs> So all over this planet, um, Europeans, uh, well, in, in the United States, Europeans and, you know, in Canada, it was what, the French? Who else went in uh, and took over and moved everybody out who was there? Oh, man, just, just throwing, throw, a, throw a dart at the wall, at the world that, you know, basically like Spain. Spain, the uh, English, of course. And French. yeah, the French, right? So it's same th- same story Dutch. down here, right? And they basically steamrolled over people and took their shit, is what they did. Took their land, took the minerals under the land, and uh, you know, look, we talk all the time about uh, the legacy of slavery in this country. Uh, Sixteen nineteen, as Spike Lee pointed out at the Oscars, but uh, you know, and people say well, there should be reparations. There should be reparations for native pe- native people as well, and. Down here, what we try to do is give them casinos. They do the same thing there, but now they're giving them uh, places where they can sell marijuana, right? Isn't that the big thing that's happening? On uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, like, on uh, on reserve land because it's owned by the crown, by the the state. Uh, so Indians don't really own the land that they live on. Mm-hmm. They sort of just like they're able to live on it, and you know there used to be huge restrictions on growing things and being able to sell those things outside of the reserve. And so that's how they controlled social mobility on reserve reservations. Mm-hmm. But now they're trying to, you know, warm up a little bit and so loosen up those restrictions. But you know, it's still very much like a like a like a snail's pace. And Listen, even I, I, in that's even that's just on land that people recognize. Right. There are still ongoing land claims that have been in the courts twenty twenty five years. That's wild. Well, we, we've took quite the digression here. What I really want to ask you about, John, is if there was as much interest in Canada in the uh, Michael Cohen hearings as there was down here, because I couldn't get anything done on Wednesday. I was kind of riveted by the whole spectacle. So what, oh, what's, yeah. I mean, what are people I mean, saying I mean, in America Canada? is just the, the, the clown show that just keeps on going. And uh, the Michael Cohen um, sort of... Uh, 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 sort of um, the episode has really been riveting among, among my friends who are pretty politically aware. Um, right. Yeah, there generally a, a huge amount of interest uh, among my like po- more political friends, but um, yeah, we we have to balance both our own clown show and then keep up with the clown show on the other channel. It was quite the clown show. I'm going to dissect it a little bit uh, during this program. This is Aerial View at 760-I-CALL-AV, 760-422-5528. And John is joining us from Canada. I'm making him my token Canadian, my token First Nations person, my token millennial (laughs) as well. Because how are millennials faring up there? I mean, Toronto, obviously a very cosmopolitan city. It's very with it and uh, very Mm. hip. How they managed to put Doug Ford in charge is, is beyond me. But um, so, oh wait, is he in charge of Ontario or Toronto? Uh, all of Ontario. All but of he, Ontario. When he came into but, power, he he uh, he specifically targeted Toronto. Oh my gosh! So does Toronto have a mayor as well? Or yeah, no? his oh. name's John Tory. Uh, how's he? Is he a fart knocker as well, or is he a decent 
human being. Yeah, he's a he's a he's an elder statesman, been Toronto mayor a bunch of times. Okay. He's old, he's white, and he's got bags under his eyes that you could fucking fill with uh, <laughs> with a with a with a with a, with no, a, the, with the a punch, torrential rainstorm. I was going to say keep the land dry. Uh, better punchline would have been he's got bags under his eyes that won't fit in an overhead compartment. <laughs> oh uh, man that's yeah, yeah. A, he's uh he's yeah, he's, he's a, a he's a, a piece of work so uh, how are millennials faring otherwise in canada i'm making you representative of uh, all canadian millennials it, it's ridiculous yeah, i know as but. um as as appointed uh, millennial of the uh, uh expert for the aerial view show yeah until uh, someone else calls in and wants that, the title um, sure. millennials are feeling it yeah in the worst way possible they no, can't get um, regular work, can they? Because there's no such thing as a job anymore. There's no regular no, jobs. There, there, there are jobs uh, under contract, which is right. Kind of how six I'm months by at the moment. Yeah, but, six months, you know. three months at a time. You work. You don't know what's next. You know, they they blame millennials for not being loyal to employers. I was having this conversation the other day with a friend of mine. He runs an auto repair facility. He said, "I can't." You know, I, he he's losing mechanics left and right because when he takes them out of Right out of school, he's got to train them, and then once he trains them and gives them real-world experience, they, they leave for the next thing. And he, and he said it's a millennial problem. And I said, well, that's because companies aren't loyal to them. They don't. Why would they feel mm. loyal to a company when a company's not going to be loyal to them? And there is no such thing anymore. We're all being thrown into the gig economy slowly but surely. Oh, yeah. And uh, at least in Canada, you have socialized medicine. And you don't have mm-hmm. to go bankrupt if you get sick, but we don't have that here. So good luck to you down here in the states if you are freelancing, driving Uber, driving Lyft, whatever it is you're doing to try to scrape by. And uh, n- then the GOP comes along and tells you, "Yeah, we don't. We're being way too generous with you people. We should stop being so generous because all we're doing is coddling yeah. you." And and John is here to tell us the same thing's happening in Canada with this Doug Ford. He's basically going after these social safety net programs, which would, you would think in Canada is sacrosanct. You would think that. Yeah, you in, would think. Yeah. yeah, you would think that there's such a strong Canadian tradition of uh, social good that we don't have down here. I don't know if we ever will, by the way. That's short. Yeah, you know the the amount of times that the Canadian healthcare system saved Doug Ford's stupid brother's life and he still decides that he's going to consolidate the public health care system and on Ontario is like proof that these these piles of garbage they ain't even human they when don't you, even care when you say consolidate what does that mean the same thing as privatized does he want private uh you he's don't have got, private health care in Canada do you so that's not even possible what does consolidation mean yeah, so he's he's decided that he's going to take a bunch of the um, a bunch of the the sort of governing bodies of certain uh, healthcare aspects, and he's moved them all sort of into the same building, which definitely means downsizing. It definitely means like uh, uh, relocation, and definitely means services down the line are going to be cut. But he's he's not really ready to pull the trigger on privatization full blown yet. Yeah, but he is consolidating and and by doing that he's definitely waning people thin so just one one quick anecdote um so uh the ontario student loan uh uh program the loan assistance program it's uh 
it's sort of they had this um, pilot feature where they would give free tuition to students who earned under a certain amount their household. Um, Doug Ford cut that program and there was a huge demonstration. And uh, Doug Ford later said to the press that uh, those protesters should get their mouths washed off, washed out with soap. And uh, if that isn't just the most grumpy old man thing I've ever heard a politician say, uh, I'll eat my hat. You know, we have to hope that these type of people just uh, die off and they haven't trained their young well enough to be as hateful Uh, and spiteful and stupid as they are. But I have my doubts because, you know, human nature. So uh, I have my doubts. But um, so I want to get into the into the Cohen hearing a little bit before we run out of road here. John, do you want to? Hang on while we do this, or do you want to uh, get going because you have a life? I mean, you choose. Uh, oh, no, I got to get going. But All listen, right. I listen every week. I think Job Story was awesome. I think Area of is awesome. I think your newsletter is awesome. Thanks, John. And uh, keep up the show. All right. And I really, really, really appreciate it. Gee, wow. You're making me feel good about right. myself, and it's such a foreign feeling. I, I, I don't know what to do. But thank you, John. I appreciate the call. Very, very supportive. John, up there in Toronto, big fan. Not like the movie with Patton Oswalt. That's not what I'm referring to. But Yeah, Job Story was the podcast before this one where I talked about work. And, you know, I wanted to do Aerial View instead for a few reasons. One is that I like live radio. As I said earlier, I like talk radio. And I liked my show Aerial View. I always had a good time doing Aerial View. Not always, but, you know, eight times out of ten. It wasn't too bad. There might be two shows that plain old sucked and were an ordeal, but most of the time it it was it was a good time on a Friday night or a Tuesday night. And you're welcome to join a good time at seven six zero. I call AV. My phone number is in Palm Springs, but I'm not seven six zero four two two five five two eight. This is Aerial View on the Hound NYC dot com, and uh, we got about twenty five minutes left in the program. So let's get into a bit of an upside-down update, um, and I'll table my other conversations for next week's Aerial View. How's that? Uh, The upside-down update, of course, was watching Michael Cohen sit there and testify in front of Congress about his dealings with Donald Trump as his personal fixer, his quote-unquote lawyer for 10 years, the guy who uh, made things go away. Uh, and so on Wednesday, he sat down at somewhere around, uh, I want to say 10, 30, 11 a.m., something like that. Seven and a half hours later, they finally wrapped up. But it was quite the spectacle to watch, and it made me sick. It made me physically ill to watch, to see... This this horrid thing going on about this horrid person who should have never been president. It, it was a total fluke. Uh, something that, that uh, we all think at this point, anyone with reason and eyes and a brain think was engineered and manufactured. And if not for 76,000 votes spread over three or four states... Would have never happened. Uh, You do know there's a move afoot to 
honor the results of the national vote, the popular vote for the next presidential election. 19 states have signed off and said, we will pledge our electoral votes to whatever candidate wins the popular vote. And enough of this crap with the Electoral College, because we can't put this nation through this again. This nation is going through a terrible time right now. And I really feel bad for it. I feel bad for America. So it's it's got greatness. It could be great. We have a lot to atone for. I mentioned 400 years of slavery earlier. You could start with that. Prior to that, the decimation of the native population. And uh, what we did to Native Americans, to indigenous people, was a, a crime. And had all the earmarks of uh, future American crimes, brutality, stupidity, greed, mostly greed. And it's a shame when you have to come face to face with the truth about the nation that you're part of. And uh, unfortunately, the truth about this nation and the truth that's been in place for the last, uh, I would say, ever since Ronald Reagan, is that greed is good. But I hear you out there rolling your eyes and saying, come on, that's always been the way. It's always been the way. That's always how we, we've conducted ourselves. I got mine, is what it should say on the money, instead of e pluribus unum. The Latin for I got mine, of course. Not I got mine, but you know. So you have to come to face-to-face with it. You have to think about it. And Wednesday was one of those days. You come face-to-face with what kind of nation we're, we're living in, what we've done to ourselves. Here's a, a excerpt. I hope my appearance here today, my guilty plea, and my work with law enforcement agencies are steps along a path of redemption that will restore faith in me and help this country understand our president better. I am here under oath to correct the record, to answer the committee's questions truthfully, and to offer the American people what I know about President Trump. I am ashamed that I chose to take part in concealing Mr. Trump's illicit acts rather than listening to my own conscience. I am ashamed because I know what Mr. Trump is. Mr. Trump is a racist. The country has seen Mr. Trump court white supremacists and bigots. You have heard him call poorer countries shitholes in private. He is even worse. He once asked me if I could name a country run by a black person that wasn't a shithole. This was when Barack Obama was president of the United States. And while we were once driving through a struggling neighborhood in Chicago, he commented that only black people could live that way. And he told me that black people would never vote for him because they were too stupid. That's the person we put in charge. That human pile of garbage. And on Wednesday, you came face to face with it. You came face to face with what we've done to ourselves and the awful, awful people who should have never been elevated to positions of power and somehow were 
And I refer not just to President Human Pile of Garbage, but all of his defenders, everybody who got up, every last Republican who got up and acted as his attack dog, who won after Michael Cohen, said, well, you're a liar. Why should we believe you? You're a liar. I think I have it here. Let me see. Is this it? There's a recurring refrain in your testimony that says, and yet I continued to work for him. But at some point you changed. What was the breaking point? No, that's... So we've established that you lie on your taxes, you lie to banks, and you have been convicted of lying to Congress. It seems to me that there's not much that you won't lie about when you stand to gain from it. Everything's been made of your lies in the past. I'm concerned about your lies today. But there's no truth with you whatsoever. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Is your appearance here today motivated by your desire to remain in the spotlight for your personal benefit? No, ma'am. Is there a book deal coming or anything like that? I have no book deal. Isn't it true you tried to sell a book about your time with President Trump entitled Trump Revolution from the Tower to the White House, Understanding Donald Jake Trump? Yes. I have been contacted by many, including for television, a movie. If you want to tell me who you would like to play you, I'm more than happy to write <laughs> the name down. Liar! 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 Two zero what? I almost came out the gave out the wrong phone number. I keep forgetting my phone number is in Palm Springs now. Seven six zero, I call AV seven six zero, four two two five five two eight. Is the phone number here? We've got uh, eighteen minutes left in the program. To sit there and listen to that on Wednesday uh, was stomach churning. To think about where we now are, what we're now faced with. We're now faced with uh, a uh, essentially a criminal enterprise in charge of the, of the White House, a criminal family, the whole family, from uh, father on down. The fish rots from the head, as the expression goes. And now uh, the news about Jared getting like uh, special security clearances. This, this guy, that guy, that smug asshole with 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 access to top secret documents, and they're all in the pockets of the Russians, as far as I'm concerned. Friggin' commies. Your commie has no regard for human life, not even his own. Yeah, you bet your sweets, Mr. Commie. That's what we're looking at. We're looking at a criminal enterprise, criminal family in the pocket of the Russians. Of Vladimir Putin. One of the one of the worst people that's ever breathed air. Let's listen to more of Michael Cohen, because it's a it's a good laugh. Mr. Trump is a con man. He asked me to pay off an adult film star with whom he had an affair and to lie about it to his wife, which I did. And lying to the first lady is one of my biggest regrets. Hmm. Regrets. I've had a few. But then again, 
That's what he should have done. He should have got up there and sang my way. Wow, that would have been great if they just had an absurd moment during the proceedings where someone handed him a microphone and a cape and he got up and sang my way. Come on. You know you would have loved that. Ugh! Oh, what have we done? What have we done to ourselves? 760 I call AV. This is aerial view on the houndnyc.com with 15 minutes left in the program. Sunday's a new hound howl happening at 3 p.m. Eastern time, followed by a new crash in the party with Mark and Miriam, the doo-wop chop shop of the air. And it should come as no surprise that one of my more common responsibilities was that Mr. Trump directed me to call business owners, many of whom are small businesses that were owed money for their services, and told them that no payment or a reduced payment would be coming. When I told Mr. Trump of my success, he actually reveled in it. You screwed them, eh? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I guess it'll be over before long, right? I mean, we'll look back at this and go, Oh, my friggin' Lord, what did we do? What was that about? I just hope they put a, a urinal on this guy's grave. Because everyone's going to want to get in line to piss on his grave. And, uh... You know in the film JFK, remember that scene with uh, Costner? <laughs> He's like, I, I'm telling my son to stay healthy so that in whatever the F year it was, he could walk into the National Archives and read these documents. Well, I'm staying healthy just long enough that I can go piss on his grave wherever it is, wherever they're going to plant that piece of garbage. And I know I'm going to have to wait in line. It's going to be like when they release a new Apple product. Line's going to be around the block and down to the corner. Or is it the other way around? Around the corner? You know what I mean. Here's more Michael Cohen. It was my experience that Mr. Trump inflated his total assets when it served his purposes. Such as trying to be listed amongst the wealthiest people in Forbes. And deflated his assets to reduce his real estate taxes. Oh, God. He's a tax cheat, too. And, you know, there are people out there who heard that and went, oh, so he's a smart businessman. What's wrong with that? What are you saying? That just makes him a uh, smart businessman. He doesn't want to pay taxes. <laughs> you know, I don't want to pay taxes. And I am. I'm paying significantly more taxes this year than I've ever paid before. Ever paid before. And uh, it's because of the tax cut. It's because of human pile of, President Human Pile of Garbage and then uh, Yertle the Turtle aka Mitch McConnell deciding to screw anyone in a blue state a successful blue state a state that sends billions of dollars more to Washington, D.C. than it ever sees back. And I refer here to New Jersey, second only to New York. So guess where I live and guess where I worked? 
That's right. I lived in New Jersey. I still live in New Jersey. Wait a minute. And I worked in New York. So the elimination of the state and local taxes, what they call SALT, and the CAP, no more itemized deductions, really screwed us over. And why? So some company could buy back more of its shares and, quote, return value to the shareholder, unquote. Because that's all who matters now. If you're not a shareholder, you're a sucker. They're playing you for a sucker. Because employees don't matter anymore. Not when companies... What's the figure? More than 74% of all the jobs created in the X last number of years. Fill in the X. I don't care what number you use. Those jobs are contract jobs. They're freelance jobs. They come with no benefits jobs. No health care jobs. They're shit jobs. So every time you see... Those figures of how many jobs have been created, they're shit jobs. That still require people to scrape together some kind of existence. And is decimating the middle class, which traditionally, of course, was the economic engine of this country. And we can disagree about a lot of what I'm saying. Just do it over the phone. Just call and disagree. I don't care. 760-422-5528. 760-ICALL-AV. We heard from John from Toronto earlier in the program, and now there's about 10 minutes left. So I want to play some more Michael Cohen. If I can well, only remember. When I asked for medical records, he gave me none and said that there was no surgery. He told me not to answer the specific questions by reporters, but rather offer simply the fact that he received a medical deferment. He finished the conversation with the following comment. You think I'm stupid? I'm not going to Vietnam. And I find it ironic, Mr. President, that you are in Vietnam right now. Yeah, you lying pile of garbage. <sighs> By the way, you know, as somebody who spent a lot of years working in audio and has put up microphones at events like these and done recording. There's a terrible noise on all of those recordings. There's a terrible whine that's quite prominent. You could hear it. Someone needs to figure that shit out. And the pee-popping was driving me insane because no one put a windscreen on that microphone. And every every time Michael Cohen... <laughs> he kept popping. What in the hell... All right, let's listen to more. A lot of people have asked me about whether Mr. Trump knew about the release of the hacked documents, Democratic National Committee email, ahead of time. And the answer is yes. In July of 2016, days before the Democratic Convention, I was in Mr. Trump's office when his secretary announced that Roger Stone was on the phone. Mr. Trump put Mr. Stone on the speakerphone. Mr. Stone told Mr. Trump that he had just gotten off the phone with Julian Assange and that Mr. Assange told Mr. Stone that within a couple of days, there would be a massive dump of emails that would damage. I had a massive dump today. Mr. Trump responded by stating to the effect, wouldn't that be great? 
Yeah, 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 wouldn't that, wouldn't that be great? Oh. oh, to sit there and watch this. Oh, my God. It was truly historic. If you didn't see it, why don't you clear out some time over the weekend as we supposedly are getting snow all the way from California to the state of Maine over the weekend. So maybe you'll be snowbound. Find the seven and a half hours of Michael Cohen testimony in front of Congress, which was the a public hearing. He uh, had two more days with them on Thursday and Friday in private. And I don't know if we'll find out what was said in those sessions. I have no idea. But, man, are things getting tribal in this country. It's getting really tribal. And all apologies to those of you who are uh, First Nations or Native peoples or whatever you might be. Uh, You have your tribes, and that's fine. But then they have the gathering of the tribes. And we don't do that anymore here. (laughs) We don't put our weapons at the door and sit down and smoke the peace pipe. Can you tell that a lot of what I learned about Native Americans I got from F Troop? Is it that obvious? I apologize. uh, I'm trying to amend for it. But uh, we, we, we really are very far apart in this nation. And to watch that spectacle on Wednesday to see Democrats uh, who should have spent more time asking pointed questions like AOC, who uh, asked a bunch of questions that actually generated a bunch of information and new leads to follow, man. Over the past year or so, I have done some real soul searching. And I see now that my ambition and the intoxication of Trump power had much to do with the bad decisions, in part, that I made. <sighs> All right, so I'm just going to plow through these before we run so out of the road. Here wonder we go. whether people believe you. I don't know. I don't know whether they believe you. But the fact is that you come, you have your head down, and this has got to be one of the hardest things that you could do. I know that you face a lot. I know that you are worried about your family. But this is a part of your destiny. And hopefully this portion of your destiny will lead to a better, a better, a better Michael Cohen, a better Donald Trump, a better United States of America, in a better world. I drink your milkshake. I drink it up. Hey, thanks to John from Toronto, who joined us earlier in the program. I do appreciate the call. And um, you can find this program on Facebook, facebook.com slash call aerial view. 
And there's information there on how to get the podcast, which comes out Tuesdays at 7 p.m. right after the replay here on the Hound, NYC.com, Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. This show replays in its entirety. Sometimes it's even better because I'll take it and edit out the crap. So who wants to listen to that? And uh, you can call this program any old time and leave a voicemail, and I'll play it on the air. 760-I-CALL-AV. 760-422-5528. It's the phone number. It's active any old time. So call and leave a message. If you can't call during the program, that's fine. But I do appreciate John calling earlier in the show. And, John, we're going to make it back to Canada this year, it looks like. So maybe we'll sit down for a drink. Come join us in Kingston, Canada's first capital, until they realize, gee, the Americans have no problem attacking this place. They just come across the lake. We better move it. Where do you think we should move it, eh? How about Ottawa? Well, sure, life is full of pain and drudgery, but the trick is to enjoy the few perfect experiences we're given in the moment. All right, stay here. We'll return you to The Hound in mere moments on thehoundnyc.com. This is Aerial View. And again, if you want to uh, shoot me an email, aerialviewer at me.com, aerialviewer at me.com. The Facebook page is facebook.com slash call aerial view. And the number is 760-I-CALL-AV, 760-422-5528. You know, I've sat here and I've listened to all of this, and it's very painful. It's very painful. If we, as a nation, did not give people an opportunity after they made mistakes to change their lives, a whole lot of people would not do, do very well. And, and, you know, people are us- now using my words that they took from me, that didn't give me any credit. We're better than this. <laughs> we are so much, we really are. As a country, we are so much better than this. And if I hear you correctly, it sounds like you're crying out for a new normal, for us getting back to normal. It sounds to me like you want to make sure that our democracy stays intact. When I, the one meeting I had with President Trump, I said to him, the greatest gift that you and I, Mr. President, can give to our children is making sure that we give them a democracy that is intact. When you got, according to the Washington Post, our president has made at least 8,718 false or misleading statements. That's stunning. We're better than that. We really are. And I'm hoping that all of us can get back to this democracy that we want and that we should be passing on to our children so that they can do better than what we did. When we're dancing with the angels, The question will be asked, in 2019, what do we do to make sure 
we kept our democracy intact? Did we stand on the sidelines and say nothing? We can do more than one thing, and we have got to get back to normal. With that, this meeting is adjourned. This is Jackie Mason reminding you to take your belongings. You don't have to take them, but if you want to, it's up to you. By the way, ask for a receipt. Take it, ask them, don't be ashamed.